But we've been talking about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit over the last few weeks. We talked about word of wisdom, word of knowledge. We did those together. And we talked about the gift of faith, uh, working of miracles and healings. Just know that God is doing good things and he wants to fill his people with the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in power, so that we can be effective in what he's called us to do. And we need to walk in those gifts. Now today, specifically, we're just kind of going through the list uh, in 1 Corinthians of the gifts. There's nine of them. And we are on now to the sixth one, and that is the gift of prophecy. So today we're going to talk about prophecy. Now let's read those gifts again from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. So the Lord wants his people to be filled and operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, he wants his people to be a powerful people, a people that are effective, a people that are allowing his supernatural power to be operating in this world. You see, you and I are meant to be a light. And what do you know about a light? It has a power source, doesn't it? Even a candle had to have a power source, whether it's the oil. And isn't it amazing that oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit? So for a candle to be burning brightly in a light, it had to have an oil as a source. You and I as Christians, if we want to be a light in our community, we need the Holy Spirit as our source. Okay? Doesn't matter how amazing your smile is, it's not enough. You need Holy Spirit working through that smile. And trust me, you can make a difference. But today, specifically, we're going to look at the gift of prophecy. Let me give you a really simple definition here today of prophecy. It is the foretelling or prediction of what is to come. Okay, so prophecy speaks to the future. All right, when we talked about word of wisdom and knowledge, there are things that are already happening, they're for direction, but prophecy is for the future. And prophecy is all through Scripture. Now today I'm going to give you examples from Scripture. Depending on how much time, we'll maybe do some examples from nowadays. But let's go straight to Scripture because prophecy is all through Scripture. And prophecy is God's way of speaking to His people through His people. Okay? God chose to speak through men and women And he still speaks through men and women to others. Now, way back in Israel's time, the people of Israel were uh, getting taken from Egypt and somewhere in their journey, they had a time to meet with God at Mount Sinai. And it said that God spoke, but it scared most of them. They actually ran in terror when they heard the booming voice and there was the cloud on the mountain and trumpets playing. And they said to Moses, we don't want to hear him. Let him speak to you and we'll listen to you. So God did 
say, okay, here's what I'll do then. I will speak through prophets, and I will speak to my people. Now, God speaks today through his Holy Spirit, and he can speak to each one of us as Christians. But he still gives word of prophecy, and I do believe there still are people with the office or role of a prophet even today. God has said, hey, this is your call. I want you to speak for me, and I want you to speak to future things. So it does happen. But in the early days, he spoke through prophets, and that was how they heard him. And I will make some distinction here about the difference between a prophet and the gift of prophecy as we go as well. But let me read from 2 Peter 1 and 21. It says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So whenever a word of prophecy is given, it is supernatural. It is from the Holy Spirit. So it's not a prophecy if it just comes from my brain or from someone's smart idea, okay? You can have a smart idea and you can have read a number of things and put it together, this is what I think. Well, that's good, but it's what you think. But prophecy is definitely, according to Scripture, from the Holy Spirit. Okay, one person is good with that. Everybody else okay with that? Okay. I just want to know you're listening, okay? All right, Deuteronomy 18 and verse 18. And verse 18, here we go. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the message the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name, or who speaks in the name of another god, must die. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. Now, I'm going to speak a little bit to this verse this was in Old Testament times, and again, as I mentioned earlier, God spoke through a prophet to his people, and there were only a couple at a time in Israel, okay? There weren't a whole bunch. There were two, maybe three. It could be men or women that were prophets for God. They would speak for God to the people, and they had to speak what God showed and nothing else. And if they spoke something that didn't come to pass, or they spoke something from a false god, they could die. Now, we don't live in the Old Testament times, and I would like to say if you're learning to use the gift of prophecy and you make a mistake, you're not going to die. We're going to be talking about the gift of prophecy, and sometimes people are scared to even speak a word of prophecy because they've heard this verse, and they don't quite understand the difference of then to now. Now, give me, let me understand, if you're saying in prophecy that God's telling you this and you're speaking, that's pretty serious. Don't take that lightly. And uh, make sure that if you really know it's God that you're saying, hey, this is what I, I'm hearing. But anyhow, these prophets would speak, and it was a serious thing. Now, the gift of prophecy can be given for any believer who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't make you a prophet, okay? That means you're a believer, and the Holy Spirit's speaking through you, okay? I still do know that there are prophets today uh, who really feel their whole life's calling is to give the word for the future, and that's good. However, when we talk about prophecy today, in this season that we've been in over the last number of years, 
even sometimes prophets have gotten it wrong and they're all still alive. I, I know uh, a couple, you know, they prophesied Trump would win that election for sure and they all still have ministries and none of them were killed. That's a good thing. Now, with prophecy, what you need to understand is prophecy can be for a certain season. So you may have a word, but you think it's for now, but it's actually for later. So I encourage you as we talk about the gift of prophecy and you're learning it, don't put your own time frame on what God shows you. And don't put your own interpretation on what God shows you. Just give it and leave it. But I want you to learn and grow in the gifts. And remember, Paul said you should desire the gift of prophecy. So he believed it was a very important gift. And it's important because it reaches out to even unbelievers. Because when they hear prophetic word and it comes to pass, they're like, what? There must be a God. Okay, so it is an important one. So don't put it on a shelf or never try to use it because you're afraid. Here's a little key. Always just be humble when God's wanting to speak through you. That's a good way to be. If you're like, God just told me this and you need to all listen right now. La, la, la. Ah, you're probably in for a fall because pride goes before destruction. And remember, whenever God gives a word, he's wanting it to glorify himself anyhow. Okay? We'll talk a little more about that as we continue. But listen, the very first prophecy ever recorded, of course, was given by God himself. And that was in Genesis 3 in verse 15. He's talking to the serpent who was used by the devil in the Garden of Eden. And he says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So here God is already prophesying future tense to when Christ will come and defeat the enemy. So prophecy is something we see right from the beginning, God speaking about the future to his people. Now there are a number of reasons prophecy is given, and we're going to look at a few of those as we explain and go through. One of them is this, prophecy often was used to declare judgment for sin. And often in Old Testament, you'll see some of them, they were hard words about judgment, but even in Revelation, the New Testament, let me read you one from Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 to 15. It says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and hell gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in to the lake of fire. So this was John getting revelation about future things. So it was a prophetic uh, word. And much of Revelation is prophetic. Some of it, uh, John is seeing things from the beginning right to the end. Some of it is uh, for his time, and some of it is for our time. But he saw this picture of the final time, and it was showing judgment for sin. Now, he showed in there that if your name is written in the book of life, you're automatically going to be okay. And of course, your name to be written in the book of life means you've accepted Christ as your Savior. 
And uh, I could probably preach a whole message on that, but I won't. I'm just going to give you that. So sometimes prophecy is there to declare judgment for sin. And I'm going to explain to you why God does that a little further on. Prophecy can also be given to bring hope and encouragement. And I've got to be honest, I love these type of prophetic words to bring hope and encouragement. It's like, whew, those are good. Isaiah 43, verse 1. It says, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. This was a word about the future saying, no matter what you go through, I'm there with you. This is a word that we can all grasp and that we can all take for ourselves. God is a good God, and he says, if there's something coming in your future that's tough or difficult, I'm with you. It's not going to destroy you. It doesn't mean it won't be easy, but it's not going to take you down. It's not going to wipe you out because God is with you. He knows you. He says you're his. He knows your name. But you know, when your Heavenly Father talks to you, he doesn't say, uh, you know, you or sir or uh, this person or that person. He calls you by your name. And I believe he calls you by the name your family calls you because he's close with you. God sees you and he sees what you're going through. I call you by name. If somebody's yours, it's like they're your child or they're your uh, brother or your friend or your spouse. To be yours is more personal. Do you get that? This is a personal God who loves you. So he would say with that name. He really would. And he would say, I got you, got this. I'm bringing you through. Nothing's going to take you out. Nothing's going to defeat you or your family. There's nothing he can't handle, and he's giving you that word. Okay. Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, another great prophecy. And Isaiah is speaking. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty means freedom. Uh, But so he says, I'm going to proclaim freedom to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now we understand that Isaiah was prophesying this. He's seeing it and he's speaking it. And some might have even thought he was talking about himself, but they realized, no, this must be for future. And of course, we find out this was about Jesus. Because Jesus reads this and says, today it's fulfilled. Well, the Jesus you and I serve is still fulfilling this word. He still brings healing. He still brings freedom. He still heals broken hearts. He is good. And his prophetic word continues. You see, there was no time limit put on that prophetic word, was there? There was no ending of it. When Christ would come, it would continue, and it continues today. You know, we are so blessed here. We've seen God do miracles We've seen God bless. We've seen God save. You know, already in January, 11 people have accepted Christ as their Savior here at church. Isn't that amazing? Give God praise for that. I think salvation is the greatest 
miracle there is. It's, it's awesome when someone allows Christ to come in and begin to heal. But you know, we also have seen other healings. We had a lady last night testify about a healing. She said uh, a couple days before the previous weekend service, she fell on the ice. And she's an older lady. That was her words. I don't call ladies older ladies or anything like that. But she said, she, I'm an older lady and I fell and everything in my body hurt. But she said, especially my wrist because I tried to catch myself. And she said her wrist swole up. And she actually thought, I'm going to have to probably go get a cast. It's really bad. But she came to service. And she told us she took some Tylenol at this time and this time. And it was, I think she took too much Tylenol, but she came to service to deal with the pain, and she got prayer. And uh, she testified, she said Pastor Marissa had prayed for her, and when she woke up the next morning, all the swelling was gone from her wrist, zero pain, and there was no pain through the rest of her body. She had been in extreme pain, it was completely gone. Because God healed her. You can give God praise for that too. Now, these types of healings we can talk about and you can see them, but did you know God also heals inner things? He says he came to heal the broken heart. You don't see that on the outside. You know, sometimes people are going through things emotionally, mentally, and you can't see them, but he sees them, and he says, I want to heal those too. And they are just as amazing as a physical healing. So today, if you came and you needed a healing on the inside, I want to pray and declare God will bring that healing. He loves you. He wants to heal you completely. Now that's the prophetic word that was given there in Isaiah. Also Revelation, there's a word, a prophetic word that gives um, the idea of God doing great things. <clears throat> All right, I'm just making sure I don't skip ahead here too far. All right, prophecy, I'm going to get to the Revelation one in a minute. Prophecy can include instruction and direction as well. So we're talking about what prophecy can look like. Now, when prophecy includes uh, instructions or directions, it really means for us that there's other gifts in operation. The Holy Spirit uses the gifts together. Prophecy speaks to the future. A word of direction is a word of wisdom, all right? But often in Old Testament and even New, you could see more than one working together. A good example of that is Genesis chapter 6 and verse 13. Genesis 6 and 13. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. So here's God prophetically saying the time's coming. I'm going to wipe out everybody. And now here's what I want you to do. So he gave him a word of direction. So a prophetic word with the gifts moving will include more than just, here's what's going to happen. And I'm going to explain a little more about why that is, because God's prophetic words are always for a purpose. They are always for your good. They're almost always to encourage you to go forward in the direction God wants you to go. They're not just to be like, oh, guess what I know? Or this is pretty cool, guess what I saw? Never. God's speaking to you for a purpose. Prophecy spoken and fulfilled proves that God is all-knowing and in control. Let me say that again. Prophecy spoken and fulfilled proves that God is all-knowing and in control. Listen to Amos chapter 3 and verse 7. 
Amos 3 and verse 7. It says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. This is an amazing scripture and tells us clearly that God chose. Now, God is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants, but he said he chose to not do anything until he first reveals it or speaks it to somebody. Specifically, in Old Testament time, his prophets. Today, by the Holy Spirit, he can speak to any Christian who is willing to listen. In other words... God has great things he wants to do in your life, in our church, in our community, but he's ready to reveal it and he needs someone to speak it. What does he want to do in your life, in your family? He wants to reveal it, he wants to speak it. Just sitting back, well, if God chooses, God can do it. God is already choosing. He chose to send his son to pay for everything, to make a way. Now he wants to speak and he wants us to step in. God wants to bless you. You need to be willing to listen. We talked about this a little bit at our prayer meeting on Saturday night. Every Saturday at 6 o'clock, we have prayer in the back area. There's a little room back there. We pray for the services. We pray for people. We pray for prayer requests that have come in. Did you know when you make time to pray and hear from God, you allow him to speak, which causes destiny to begin? Uh, I want to encourage you. Make sure you give him time to speak into your life. Don't let your whole prayer time be where you tell him what's going on and what you want. Take time to hear and then speak what he tells you and get ready. He's got some good things. He wants to do some great things in 2022. I know that God has good plans and showed me this is going to be a great year. There's going to be overflow. There's going to be some things like that coming that God wants to do in lives and in people and in our church. But God... When prophecy is spoken, is glorified, and when it's fulfilled, we understand that he knows everything. Listen to Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Remember the miracles of long ago. Acknowledge that I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I declare from the beginning how it will end, and I foretell from the start what has not yet happened. I decree my purpose will stand and I will fulfill my every plan. Did you hear God speaking right there? I speak what's going to happen in the end. My plan will be fulfilled. God is in control. He is not worried right now about the future. He is in control of the entirety and of the beginning and the end. That is who he is. Now, what he specifically wants to do with your life, you play a part in that. And you can step into what he's asked or not. That's your choice. But how this world and how this is going to wrap up, he's got it. Listen to Revelation 21 and verse 4. It says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. 
I want to say to you today, church, if you have put your trust in the Lord, you put your trust in the right person. Not only did he say his plan will be fulfilled, I speak what's coming in the end. He said, I am the beginning and the end. That's the right person to put your trust in. That's the right God to put your future in his hands. And you do not need to be afraid. You see, this all began with only God. And God spoke into the darkness. This all wraps up with God. And this is the God that said, I'm love. This is the God that was willing to send his son to die in your place. You put your trust in him. He's got you. Whether you live or die, you are in his hands, and the end, your future, is sure in him. Uh, look at someone and say, our future's sure. There's a couple of you didn't believe that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you don't know it, but he knows it and is good if you're putting your trust in him. Now, prophecy is meant to draw people to God and cause them to walk in obedience. Again, I mentioned earlier, the prophecy isn't just given to be like, oh, that's cool, I saw something wonderful. Prophecy is meant to draw people to God and cause them to walk in obedience. There's a story in the Old Testament. It's the book of Jonah. The story of Jonah clearly shows God's purpose for the prophetic. You see, God calls Jonah and he says, I want you to take a prophetic message to Nineveh. And man, it's a hard message. Jonah says no. And I'll tell you in a little minute why he said no. Jonah says, absolutely not. I'm getting in a boat as far away from Nineveh as I can. I'm not doing it. He gets in that boat. God sends a storm. And the storm is battering the boat. Finally, they all get together and Jonah says, it's my fault. And Jonah says, all you need to do is throw me into the ocean and the storm will stop. You think about this for a minute. Jonah's mind was so made up he was not going to give that message. He actually was hoping they'd throw him in the ocean and he'd die so he doesn't have to give the message. I'm not going to tell him. Well, of course, God knew that and God prepares a large fish that swallows up Jonah, takes him back to shore. And when he gets out after three days in the fish, God asks him again, so Jonah, I think I need you to go to Nineveh. Jonah, like a smart guy, decides this time he probably should go. He goes and he gives them a prophetic word, and it's a tough prophetic word. It's, in this many days' time, you are all going to be destroyed. But they repent. It says in dust and ashes, the king tells everybody, people, even animals, you need to repent and call out to God and ask forgiveness for the wicked people we've been. And God sees it and doesn't bring judgment. Now Jonah has gone off to a hill where he can see the city, to watch them be destroyed, I think. And it doesn't happen. And he's so angry and he says, God, this is why I didn't want to give them the message because I knew if they repented, this would happen. Ooh, not a very loving prophet. Now, let's be honest. There's a good chance that some of his relatives have been killed by Ninevites. That's a good possibility because they were enemies. And they were wicked. But it didn't matter. God wanted the prophecy given because he wanted to see them repent and be saved. You see, a prophetic word is meant to draw people to God, not crush them, not slam them, not tell them, aha, I told you so. Now, Jonah had to be taught a little bit of a lesson, and God is good at teaching lessons. 
He caused a plant to grow up behind Jonah, and it provided shade, and it grew up in as little as a day. That's a fast-growing plant. And Jonah was like, ah, oh, the shade, this is great. And then a worm comes and eats the plant that night, and it dies, and Jonah is so angry. He is so mad about this plant. And God comes and says, Jonah, you seem really upset about a plant dying. And he's again, oh, I'm so mad I could die. Jonah may have an issue about dying every time he got angry, but anyhow. God says, really, Jonah, you were upset about a plant, but you could care less about 120,000 people who don't know right from wrong. You see, the prophetic is not meant to crush or destroy. It is meant to draw people to God. You know, we're in a community of people who may not know what you and I know. Maybe they've never been to church or grown up in church, and they don't know right from wrong. They're just doing what they've always done doing what they learned or seen others do, doing what their flesh wants. When God gives a word of, hey, this is coming, it's because he actually wants them to turn and accept him. You and I, let's understand that with prophecy and let's have the same heart that God had. 1 Peter 1 and verse 9, listen to this. It says, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about. When they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ was in them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. Verse 12. And they were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. You see, the prophetic was given because God wanted to draw people to him. Those prophets knew this is exciting. I want to see it. Even angels get excited about this message of salvation. Did you know we read in Scripture only one time do we read and understand the angels rejoice for something? Now, they may rejoice for other things, but only once are we told what they rejoice for. Do you know what it is? People getting saved. Heaven rejoices. Heaven rejoices when someone repents and comes to Christ. The angels get excited. That is so cool. I'll tell you what, seeing 11 people give their lives to Christ this year already, the angels had a party. They were like, whoo! Okay, I don't know if angels party like that, but you know what I'm saying? They were excited. Joy. Hey, can you and I get excited like that? Can you and I not get weary or tired? Can you and I not be like, oh, another salvation, that's good. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's a person's life transformed. It's not just another salvation. It is a person's life transformed. Can we remember when it happened to us and get excited for them? Church, let's be excited and passionate. The angels can do it, so can we. So prophecy is for that purpose. So if God is going to give you a word of prophecy for someone, and it's maybe a little bit of a harder one, can you give it in love, understanding that he wants to bring them? He wants to change them. If you want God to use you and speak through you, you're going to have to care about people. You're going to have to care about the lost, because that's the kind of God he is. You know, unless you want to be like Jonah and get swallowed by a fish first. But either way, I would suggest just, you know, start off on the right foot. Okay, Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. 
It says, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Now, I just want to let you know this is right after they've been filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues loudly. And we know from Scripture they were actually telling the good news of Christ in languages they didn't know. A crowd gathers and Peter begins to preach to them. And he says, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter preached this message and he declared that prophetically this is what's happening. You see, God wants to prophesy. He wants you and I, his children, to prophesy. There's no one greater, no one lesser. But those that are his, he wants them to speak the word. And he shares this message with them. And you need to realize he's saying what you just heard is this. What did they just hear? They heard people who had been filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in languages they didn't know, talking about the good news of God, leading people to Christ. Over 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ with this message. Prophecy is meant to draw people to Christ. You know, when we talk about prophecies and prophets, it can be easy to see where things maybe, and you've heard of stories where it didn't really kind of go how it should, or you're maybe in this season kind of drawn more to, well, it must be all over, we should, you know, hide out. I can tell you this, it is not a scriptural principle to hide out when things get tough for a Christian. You've been called to lose your life for his sake. You've been called to take up your cross and follow him. You've been called to give it all so people can find Christ. Now, I know there was a prophetic word in Matthew, but it was specifically for Jerusalem for a specific time. And when they saw Jerusalem surrounded and the city about to be destroyed, because they said there wouldn't be a stone left on another stone, they were supposed to run to the mountains. But that is not a scriptural principle. That was a warning for them at that very specific time. Yes, God can give warnings like that. God warns you not to go on a certain icy road for a reason. Well, listen. Okay, so yes, but that is not a scriptural principle that you run and hide out. Over time, people have forgotten the reason for prophecy is salvation. When God gives you a word, it will be to propel you forward in what he has for you. He will not give go hide out messages. I know he doesn't. He will give warnings, he may direct you, but not the case. Years ago, my wife and I went on a ministry trip to the Yukon. We met an amazing group of people while we were there. We were there for a month. Great people. They told us a little of their backstory, and they were a humble people at this time, but many years ago, I believe late 80s, early 90s, they were in a church where the 
ministers started giving prophetic that the end was near and horrible things were about to happen. So they all needed to sell their places, quit their businesses, and move to the Yukon where they could have gardens and hide out. And they did. 25 years later, none of what was said happened, but their lives were done and here they were. Now they loved God and they said, we're going to do our best here, even though we made a mistake and they reached out to people where they were. But friends, be careful. Why would God give a word? He wants you to follow what he's already directed you to do. He's not going to give you a word that's completely different than what he's already been speaking to you. Does that make sense? I remember years ago, and my, my times might be a little different, but I remember a story about uh, there was a minister, and the minister, it's in the late 80s, so my, my years might be slightly off, but I'll try to remember. He wrote a book. He was a minister leading people, and he wrote this book, Why Jesus is Coming in 1987. In other words, he's saying the world is ending and Jesus is coming this year. So he writes the book and he sold a lot of books, I think. But anyways, 1987 came and went. And guess what? They're all still there. So he wrote a second book of why he missed it and Jesus was actually coming in 1988. Now again, I might be slightly off on my year, but it's in that time frame. I'm pretty sure he sold less books on the second book. I'm just saying Less people willing to jump, okay? So listen, you need to use discernment and wisdom with prophecy, and you need to understand he's going to direct you, and he's going to have you continue to see people saved. If he's been directing you today and tomorrow, uh, I come up to you with a word, you should sell your place and leave. Well, why? Is it going to help you save more people? I guess if it is, maybe he's speaking. But if it's about you hiding out, it's not him. This is good. I don't want you to be afraid of the gift of prophecy. I don't want you to think that prophecy is only scary or evil. It's not. It's God speaking. And he speaks because he wants people to follow him. Or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, including the gift of prophecy, were given to draw people to Christ. Okay? If I get that, if that's the only thing you get from the message today, don't you ever forget it. His gifts moving are meant to draw people to Christ. He wants to use you. He wants you as a Christian, as a believer, to work with those gifts.